1: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, for these last two weeks to the election, I'm just calling this show America on the brink. We're on the brink of the election, of course, two weeks from now, two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, But, I mean, on the brink of what? What? What are we on the brink of? Right. I mean, if you listen to uh, Antifa or if you listen to uh, the left, they say we're on the brink of rioting and, you know, this and the other thing. If you listen to the polls, they say uh, Joe Biden's supposed to win. If you listen to this and that, here's what I'll tell you. We're on the brink of a very important election. It's important for lots of reasons. But one of the reasons is important is because it will restore our confidence in the American system. And I'm, I'm not kidding when I tell you this. That's why I call this the Pro America Report because I have some sense of what's going on. But it, it, this is a really important time. I hope you're ready to both enjoy it and work on it and get clued in. So great to be with you. Again, go over to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the Daily Wink each morning at 5 a.m. Pacific Time, 8 a.m. East Coast Time. You get, bam, in your email box. You get what you need to know, an email, some clips from the show, show some other details and you're with 79,999 other people we got 80,000 people on that email list and they get it in their email box bam i hope you'll sign up com and america on the brink Well, we're going to start only having guests on and talking to them about the key issues facing us in these last days before the election. So in a few moments, we'll talk with Catherine Engelbrecht, who is the founder of TrueTheVote.org. True The Vote is a great organization checking on election integrity better than anything. She's not a think tanker. She's not. Well, she's a doer. And so when you talk to her, it's kind of uncomfortable because every time I talk to her off the air, she says, hey, what have you been doing, Ed? What have you been doing? What have you been getting done? What, what's getting done? How, how have you done anything? And so, um, you know, she's like, hey, have you signed up to be a poll watcher? Have you signed up to be a poll worker? Have you signed up to do this? That, the other thing, what are you doing? It's great. We'll talk with him in a few minutes. Then we'll talk with Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times bestselling author. He's currently on the uh, advisory board of the USA Today, and he's a professor over in Ohio. And we'll talk to him about what we're on the brink of like a destruction of the media. It's just kind of fallen in on itself. So we're going to talk about all these things on the brink. And what you need to know, what the focus should be, is we are at the end of what I call the Dark Ages Of America. The American Dark Ages started in the early 1960s and went all the way till 2020. It's ending with this election, and you're watching the death rattle of all these forces that have been trying to destroy America, and they failed. I mean they've done damage, don't get me wrong. See, early nineteen sixties, the Supreme Court takes God out of school, takes God out of our lives. The secularism is running rampant, right? We see the the sixties uh, becomes this period where we gotta we gotta end up with a terrible war, poorly managed, the cultural battle joins in, you get the sexual revolution, people start doing no fault divorce, and bam, it's just chaos, right? Into the 70s, into the 80s. Our universities, our universities, the American university system transformed the lower classes in country in the 1900s 1910s 1920s into the 30s back from world war ii the gi bill and then suddenly because of tenure and lunatics the universities become transformed into these bastions of just horribleness and our education system gets taken over by the same clowns they graduate from the graduate schools and they go in and run our public schools one after another our our our, 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 our legal system is dramatically transformed in the last 35 or 40 years into a system that gives access to the powerful and we the people are stuck. And you go through every little, well, what we're seeing right now is this incredible period where the media has given up any claim it had to tell the truth. We're literally starving for the truth and we're getting jive instead of having serious analysis, serious commentation, serious understanding. We're facing a pandemic. The balance, the risk management has to be between freedom and and health risk. We have to be respectful of that. Instead, we get this test. If you're not wearing a mask, you're a lunatic. If you're not uh, genuflecting towards Fauci, you're not serious, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the media is in this incredible death rattle. There we have the situation where the Biden uh, the Biden emails are not even being disputed by the Biden campaign as genuine. They are they are acknowledging in their answers that they're genuine emails. They're just counting on the fact that the media is not covering it and they're not And we're watching the big tech companies who are supposed to be these great technological breakthroughs for human understanding. They're putting their thumb on the scale. We're in the middle of this extraordinary uh, death rattle of these dark forces. And I prefer to believe... Like old Ben Franklin, when he looked up and he said to Washington, I used to look at that chair you sat in with that sun, the half a sun, and I used to say it was a rising or setting. I now know it's rising. I look at what's happening and I see this light. It's not the fading light of America. It's the rising sun of the golden age. And the golden age is going to be people coming. And here's, the, here's how you know. Here's what you need to know. This may be the number one thing today. I wanted to tell you about the the, the death rattle of the media. Oh, oh let me g- fill in one more detail. We got like Jonathan Alter, an otherwise serious, left, left-leaning, left serious journalist. I think he was at Time or Newsweek for many years. And he's attacking a liberal Democrat, Mickey Kaus, on Twitter because Mickey Kaus had the, 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 the audacity to say, why aren't we covering the Biden thing, The the emails? And and he's attacking. These guys are in a crack up. I don't know if you remember that great uh, essay by uh, F, F. Scott Fitzgerald, the crack up. It's a crack up. The media is just cracking up. You're watching it in full, you know, in full view. They're cracking up because they're losing control. But what you need to know more importantly, even than the crack up, the media crack up and the dark ages is this. The polls are lies and the polls are lies. And I I can't tell you why they're lies, except I can see some of the weighting and, you know, the W.E.I.G.H.T., how they weight them. I can see that they're off. I also think there's a a shy Trump voter situation in here. But I, I just put the polls aside for a second. And let me just explain to you how campaigns work. When you run a campaign for office, especially at a high level, now I've never run a presidential, but I ran a congressional and I ran a statewide race in Missouri, you see certain indicators of success. So, for example, when Donald Trump does 20 rallies last week and has, you know, three or four hundred thousand people total at these rallies, one after another, 20,000 people, 15,000, 10,000, all these people. And you see Biden has three events have like 10 people at each one, including press. Or when the campaigns report that they they say, how many doors did you knock? And the Trump campaign says we're up to three million a week. We're knocking doors. And the Biden campaign says, yeah, we're we're knocking like 50,000. Not at all. They were saying for a long time, not at all. We don't believe in it. You say, wait, what are you talking about? The basics. Have you have you looked up and said to yourself, where are the rallies for Biden? Where's the African-Americans who care? You're not even seeing Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson push for for Biden. And by the way, if Biden was winning so convincingly, according to the polls, why are they sending Obama to Pennsylvania next week? Because he's not winning. He's not winning. The Biden fade is happening before your eyes. He, he He's he's not campaigning until Thursday after the debate. It's Monday. It's Monday when you oh, let me say it differently. It was Monday morning when he reported that he was going to put a lid on it, meaning he's not going to appear anywhere until from Monday morning until Thursday night. So we have all these indicators. And so but here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. We're on the brink of this election where when we come through it, we need to be celebrating the greatness of the republic, our Constitution, our Electoral College, how the system worked. We'll have one hundred and twenty five million people that voted. We'll have all these people that participated. It will all be good. There'll be a certain part that loses their mind because they can't believe what happened. But that's because they've been listening to CNN and watching uh, reading the Washington Washington post the new york times if you're normal you can feel it one last tip they keep saying that suburban women are going away from trump now they say that over and over again you say well is that really true what is it the issues what are the issues that suburban women it, it, are they implying that suburban women are all like pro-abortion well they knew that in in 2016 they knew trump was not pro uh he was pro-life so what is it what the, i th- i don't they think they think he's distasteful but here's the facts When you see cities burning because of Antifa, when you see cities burning because of Black Lives Matter, when you see law enforcement on their heels because the Democrat leadership can't stop, you know, kowtowing to the far left. Trust me, suburban voters, men and women, look up and say, "Um, what I really treasure in America is law and order. What I really treasure is property rights and respect for each other. I'm telling you right now. America's on the brink. In these next two weeks, we have to arm ourselves with all the tools to make sure the election goes well and that it goes the way we expect and want it to. But we also have to build the community that the people need and in the next couple of days i'm going to have an expert on to talk about the electoral college exactly how that thing works what's going to happen where are the choke points we're going to talk about what happens if there's uh of challenges to the supreme up to the supreme court all those details to get ready for this important time because the dark ages are ending and we're on the brink of something special a golden age but we got to earn it we got to earn it every day. All right, take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk with Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I've been telling you these last two weeks before Election Day, it's America on the brink. America on the brink. And uh, what are you going to do to help uh, make sure that America and the republic for which this great flag stands, for which we all stand, will continue? And one of the people that I keep asking for advice on this, and I wanted to bring her back because, um, you know, again, you have two weeks. There's plenty of time to do lots of things, but you have to decide that you're going to be involved. So uh, my friend here, Catherine Engelbrecht, is the founder of uh, True the Vote, and org is the website. There's a lot of resources there. She's doing daily efforts to make sure people are aware of the problem of voter fraud, more importantly, the way you can contribute because America's on the brink. But there's something we can do about it. So welcome, Catherine. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Ed.
0: You warned me months ago that it was time to start getting uh, action months ago. I did, by the way. I'm a poll worker. I just got I got placed in a poll. I'll be there all day on election day. But that for those that didn't get it done, what can they do now? Two weeks before the election,
1: it is not too late to get involved. What we're telling people is three things. The first is vote early in person. But vote early in person if at all possible. The second thing is call your party or a candidate that you favor and ask how you can help serve in their ballot security initiative as a poll watcher or, or just an extra set of hands, help compare signatures, just plug in wherever you can. And the third thing is pray. Every day pray for the people who are involved in this process, for the people who are on the ballot, for, for the nation and all of our voters who are going through these extraordinary times together. But vote, work and pray.
0: We're talking with Catherine Engelbrecht. And if you go to truthevote.org, you'll see a lot of information there. You'll also see she's done some videos uh, and also she's doing regular updates. Um, So that's truthevote.org. Very important resource. Um, But let me go back to what you said. It's not too late. So here's the thing. Forget about the mail-in balloting problems, absentee balloting problems. That's true. But for you, if you're listening to this, you can go vote. Go find the place to vote. Get it out of the way. I hate to say it like that, but make sure you vote and then spend the rest of your time doing other things, including get other people to vote, talk about the issues. But I do want to encourage you, and Catherine, I want you to say kind of why it's so important i want to encourage people to go be a poll worker if there's anyone on the ballot in your area and there is because the presence on your ballot there's probably at least well there's always a congressman or congresswoman you can get placed as a poll worker like a republican poll worker and work two hours four hours whatever but catherine tell us why it's almost like bodies present like showing up is a big part of the fight right now
1: it's, it's it is it's it's actually physics. Observation changes things. Just being there, eyes on, helps the process run better. Uh, you know, there there are more hands there to help, um, more observation broadly to make sure that that the rules of law are abided by. Um, it's overall. I mean, the, the, this is something that far too many of us have just you know sort of abdicated the field on. We've just presumed that if we went in and voted and got our I voted sticker, that that was it. You know, that that's, that's all that was necessary. But the fact is we need more people working and helping and helping to manage. If there are lines, helping to manage the lines, helping the, the throughput, helping with the, the documentation and the audit process. There's a lot that happens at a polling place. There's a lot that happens at central count or in signature verification. So many ways to serve, and citizens can be a part of all of it. You just have to take that first step and get involved.
0: And 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 again, for the listeners, I, I keep saying America's on the brink. America on the brink of this big election of all these important things. And the fact is that you can do something. It's not too late. Is you know, you may feel that way. And and again, I, I tell people take one step at a time. If you need to take one step at a time, here's one, and I did this myself. Let your employer know that you have to take election day off, or half a day off, or a couple hours off, or let your spouse know, or your kids know. Hey, I'm going to have to pick you up later or early. So do that one step first, and then go and say, okay, how do I find a way to be, you know, to be helpful? And if the county party or the state party doesn't help you, a candidate can help you, and just take those steps. Again, TrueTheVote.org is where you can find out more. Catherine, what's your worst case scenario? I hate to be doomsday doomsdayer, but what, you know, what is your, um, your your, 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 on election night, is it the polls close and we've got 15 states where they're not done counting for 15 days? Is that your worst, uh, worst case scenario? Mm, no, that's
1: not my worst case. That, that's a, that's. That has great potential <laughs> to be in actuality. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, look, I think we're going to see states counting long past November the 3rd. I think we're going to see states struggling to meet that safe harbor deadline of December the 8th where they can seal their elections and get their electors awarded to the Electoral College. I think we're going to see more litigation than we can even imagine. and I And I think that there's a possibility that this ends up, Uh, January 20th, uh, becoming a vote uh, for the president in the House of Representatives. All of that is on the table this year. And it is what makes the difference is citizen engagement and bearing witness to what is happening, getting out on the field. Don't just be a spectator, because to prevent all of that from happening, we need citizens to take a stand now.
0: Mm-hmm. We're talking with Catherine Engelbrecht on it's truethevote.org, uh, truethevote.org. You can find out, again, I said there she's got some videos and regular updates. It's all very important. Uh, Catherine, in, um, what, let me ask you it this way, though. What's the, what's the um, mail-in balloting, where's the worst state where you see chaos? Is it going to be California again because of the size of it? I mean, where, where are you looking that you say, oh, man, they're, they really got themselves set up for a disaster?
1: Oh, gosh, I think it's any of the states where, where and there have been so many states where, where this applies, uh, where there have been constant changes to process in states that, you know, ha- have maybe had 10 percent of their vote mail-in uh, heretofore and now are seeing, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent of their mail, uh, 50 of their, percent of their overall vote turn to a mail-in ballot process. And they're, you're, the, the, their infrastructure is just not there to support it. And certainly we saw in the primaries, you know, New York and New Jersey and places like that, that continued to struggle. But but the one that probably is uh, in greatest peril right now is Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania has had repeated problems even getting their app- mail-in ballot applications out and out correctly. There's been a lawsuit upon lawsuit uh, to try to, to – uh, fight over what's going to be accepted, how long after the election our ballots going to be accepted, signature verification standards, um, and all of that comes into play. So, like I said, over over approximately 350 lawsuits and election law related changes due to COVID that all have have filtered down to changes in mail and ballot process.
0: And uh, and if you so uh, here's one question, I got me looking at some um, some folks that have said, um, you know, what do I do if I see something? Tell tell on Election Day, if you see something, let's say you're either working as a poll worker or you're just observing when you go in, what do you what do, what can are there resources? How do you point people to sort of raise the alarm bells?
1: That's a great question. So as a poll, there, there's a position that you can serve in that we're recommending for you know everybody that just wants to get plugged in and plug in fast because you can up until, in most states, up until Election Day, you can still get placed as a poll watcher. And a poll watcher is there to do just that, to watch and observe. They don't even talk and engage with voters. They are just there to observe the process. So if you in that capacity see something, there's a prescribed process for reporting what you see. If you're a voter, if you are just, you know, in the vicinity of the process and see a problem, if you receive, you know, multiple mail-in ballots, if you don't receive your ballot, just, you know, you name it. If you see it, say something. And you can come to TrueTheVote.org. We have an election integrity hotline that you can call or you can can, uh, write, uh, you know, send in an email to us or text us or hit us up online. Uh, and we'll get back to you. Every state has a voter fraud hotline. Although right now many of them are being inundated, uh, but but speak out and never forget that you are your own reporter. As long as you have that phone with you, you know if you're in a, if you're in a spot to do it and it's legal because you can't take pictures or such inside of the polling place. But if you are, if something happens that you can record, uh, do it. That's what's necessary. Is the evidence
0: hmm. All right. Catherine Engelbrecht. Again, it's truethevote.org. Go there, get familiar with uh, the resources there. And also, I recommend, uh, I, as, as Catherine's been telling me for 60 days now until, well, more than that, 90 days. It's not too late. It's not too late. And even two weeks away, America's on the brink. It's not too late. Thank you, Catherine. And keep us uh, informed. We'll look forward to hearing from you again as we get closer.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Ed.
0: All right. Katherine Engelbrecht, truethevote.org uh, uh, God bless you. Thank you. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I've been saying all show long, America on the brink. America's on the brink. On the brink of this big election. On the brink of what could be massive changes if you elect a new president, new Senate, and all. However, I've also been telling you that America's on the brink of the sort of breakdown. We're we're watching a breakdown of the media. Our next guest is Dr. Brett M. Decker. Dr. Decker is a New York Times uh best selling author. He's written books uh about uh the Far East, he's written books about American politics, he's written um Many, many essays. He's on the board currently of the USA Today Board of uh, Editorial Page Advisors, I guess it's called. And he also, of course, was the editor of the Washington Times Editorial Page, as well as a writer for the Wall Street Journal Asia. So, Dr. Decker, what I mean by that is I'm watching uh, what should be, even if they're liberal, should be sane journalists Uh, who, who are ignoring the Biden story? They're ignoring the details of the story. They're, you know, they're attacking each other on Twitter. I watched, um, Jonathan Alter attacking, um, uh, Mickey Kouse on Twitter saying, you know, you're an idiot carrying water for Trump over the fact that Mickey Kouse, no conservative, by the way, he's a liberal Democrat as far as I can tell, but he said the Hunter Biden thing, there sure seems to be a lot there. Are, are, and are we watching the media quite literally sort of, uh, in a Death
2: rattle. You, you know, I think the the credibility that the media has lost in the Trump years, like mm-hmm. it had been on a, like a downward slide, really since since the Vietnam War. Um, you know, that when when the media was weighing in with dinf- disinformation about what was going on in Vietnam, so it's, it's kind of this decades long process, and then Watergate, where uh, Woodward and Bernstein went with stories without corroboration because they had a feeling, oh, yeah. well okay you know so big consequences so this has been going on for a while but i mean nothing like i've seen during the trump years where it is just flat out advocacy without any pretense you know they're not even Mm -hmm. pretending to be reporting on anything right or like Mm -hmm. you could read the first paragraph of something on the front page of the washington post and the new york times and not know the difference in the front page and the opinion page I, i think that's a really big problem and i think it has real consequences for America because people don't trust any information or where information comes from. So that's kind of a right, how is there a reality if people don't know what it is?
0: Well and and you know we're talking with Dr. Brett M Decker and uh, Dr. Decker again has written he's written in, he's been employed in the uh, in the fields of journalism he's written uh, best-selling books and he's now a professor uh, at Defiance College in Ohio and of course he hails from Michigan originally but right there in the heart of America but the the, the perspective I wonder about uh, Dr. Decker is you know you talk about America on the brink and it feels like the powers um the powerful in the media whether you're talking cable or Washington Post New York Times plus big tech which is clearly throttling more conservative voices back you know have we have we ever had a situation where maybe unwittingly we did maybe walter cronkite was a closet communist i don't know and and, and we didn't know that he was doing it but we didn't know now you can see it in real time that the powerful big tech and media are putting their thumb on the scale and frankly I, you can't beat city hall or maybe sometimes you can beat city hall I'm not sure you can you can beat big tech and the
2: media together I agree and that you throw in the deep state and win big trouble you know there was yeah. like in yeah. the Gilded age you know you know I mean in the Gilded yeah. age you did have a case where a lot of industrial um, uh, organizations companies even unions own newspapers so there is kind of a, a dirty path where special interest own newspapers and try to advocate for their, for their, um, their positions for newspapers. The difference was there was a multiplicity of interest groups and, and organizations that had papers. So uh, you know a, a big industrial company um, owning newspapers or radio stations might be offset by uh, liberal interest groups at the time that had them too. The difference now is it's so preponderantly owned by one side, and it, and, it, and it tends to be a side that doesn't agree with the majority of America. So, so the, the distortion of information and truth, and ability to intervene in an election, I think it's, I think it's very, it, it's very scary. I mean, just like you look at social media groups like Twitter and Facebook shutting down the press secretary of the president of the United States, and I mean that that's as, as brazen as you get
0: hmm. Well, and again, we're talking with uh, Dr. Brett M. Decker uh, about the uh, question of the media and, and America on the brink. Um, and here's my here's my thought to you is if if it turns out that we get closer and closer to it. Well, uh, well, let me ask you this question. You, you worked at the highest level of media. And are these guys motivated more by ideology or money? Because if it's money, CNN's never made money like they're making off of Trump. And and, and, (laughs) New York Times was broke four years ago, and now they're making money because of Trump. So does ideology, meaning being good liberal, Trump making money? Or will ultimately these guys and gals move back to to worrying about the jack-jack instead of worrying about the ideology?
2: I mean, I think right now, I think I think they've lost all sense of proportion. So I think ideology can trump money, <laughs> but it, you know, yeah. I mean, so they're that right, they're that they're that nonsensical <laughs> that they don't worry about profits. But I mean, if you look at the social media companies, right, they just have billions and billions of dollars, and they're yeah. kind of a force multiplier for the media. So they can Facebook and Twitter by, especially Facebook, by messing around with their uh, algorithms and methodology can help push traffic to help. Like say the New York Times out of their out of their out of their readership jam. So I think you're going to look at some partnering going on. You know, um, I mean the difference. You know, since this Trump thing, I used to, and I and I give USA Today a lot of credit because they do try to put me and other writers in there to show the other side. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. I used to write at places like the New York <laughs> Times and things like that who. Um, since, since our Trump book that we did together with Phyllis Schlafly came out, do you think I would be caught dead in the New York Times? Not because I wouldn't want to write there, but they would never have me now. So it, it is kind of a, uh, it has gone a, a several steps further than it used to as far as censoring information and, and alternative points of view on the conservative side, without a doubt.
0: Now, um, I, and we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker, and among, among other things, he he's, he teaches uh, business uh, at uh, Defiance College, and his background is uh, uh, in also in economics and, and business. So, uh, let me ask you about the difference in in um, you know Wall Street. Wall Street doesn't seem to be. Um, they don't seem to be fearful of a Biden presidency. I mean, how I mean, is it because all the junk Biden says is not real and ultimately sort of like Obama, he's going to be as friendly to Wall Street and China as uh, as the Bushes were or anything like that. I mean, you know, China's got to want uh, China's got to want Biden over Trump because they're annoyed with Trump's uh, tariffs. But what about the economy? I mean, shouldn't the economy be afraid of Kamala Harris? And and I mean, come on, like, who's the Treasury secretary going to be under under uh, President Biden like Susan I mean, we we're we're into crazy waters here, but I, I, America's on the brink of this. Doesn't feel like Wall Street's worried.
2: Yeah, I think Wall Street. There are a couple factors involved in Wall Street. One, Wall Street knows there's a big reckoning coming eventually. Right, our debt is now larger um, than our than mm. the whole GDP of the nation in a year, and our deficits keep growing. And they know, right, that these fundamentals of the economy are, are really weak, and eventually there's going to be a reckoning. Their job, though, is to hold that off as long as possible. So they're going to be bully, bully as long as they can be just to keep the profits rolling even one more day longer than if they can keep, if they can mm-hmm. forestall a crash for a day, they'll do it. I think the other thing mm-hmm. is, you know, Wall Street just, does work on a lot of information they get from business executives business and, uh, analysts and right big business is not republican like it used to be obviously like it used to be labor unions were on the other side uh businesses big and small were on our side that's not the case anymore right big business gives a lot more money to democrats than us and part of that isn't is reflected in the positions of wall street
0: yeah, and uh, we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. And let me a, a final question on this: um, China. Uh, you lived over there in the Far East. You wrote about uh, your your book, "Bowing to Beijing," about the Obama policies. Um, does our, our America's turned in three years from its um, malaise on China? We thought, well, we'll compete with them. I mean, most people know these. This is a rival country, not even just a. It's it's an enemy, and and are we ever going back? I mean, would a Biden administration really sort of uh, roll over for China do you think I mean is that what's at stake too?
2: I mean I think that's definitely coming and don't forget Hunter Biden with uh, 10 figure deals in China or whatever right so uh, or, or more than that whatever his his uh, um, whatever yeah, yeah. his his, his yeah. deals he was pulling in so you know they're 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 corrupt and that's going to have an effect and also just ideologically remember, these people think America is a problem in the world. So if somebody else can counter America, uh, the left is for that, even if it happens to be communist China. And, and, I, and I think it's a, a serious concern. And I think you'll see policy towards China go in the other direction rapidly if, if Trump doesn't win. Hmm.
0: All right. Well, and yeah. All right. Dr. Brett M. Decker, I got to run. Thank you very much. Uh, As always, New York Times bestselling author and professor at Defiance College, Dr. Brett M. Decker. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
1: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism, and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
0: Democrats pride themselves on giving themselves the appearance of being a party that is more friendly to the environment. To paint this picture, they bow to environmentalists who call for all kinds of crazy regulations with no ecological purpose whatsoever. They want the government to regulate everything homeowners and businesses control from the biggest ocean to the smallest puddle. Conservatives are generally fully on board with the idea of sensible conservation efforts, but Democrats take things to a much higher level. One of their favorite targets to pick on is America's longstanding coal industry. Failed candidate Hillary Clinton made a terrible mistake when she arrogantly boasted that she wanted to put a lot of coal miners and coal companies out of business. Most Democrat candidates up to that point were at least smart enough not to admit out loud their hatred of coal workers even though their policies said as much. Hillary didn't care enough to hide her disdain for these hardworking Americans. President Trump made sure Americans knew he didn't share Clinton's animosity. In fact, he promised to bring back the coal jobs that Clinton's party had tried so desperately to destroy. As Donald Trump took office as president, there were two major threats to America's coal industry the environmental activists, and overbearing regulatory agencies. President Trump took on both of these groups by cutting regulations at a record pace. After less than a month in office, he signed H.J. Resolution 38 to eliminate unnecessary rules that did nothing but hurt American companies that were employing thousands of coal miners. President Trump's actions didn't stop there. He continues to be a voice for coal workers, bringing many to the Republican Party who traditionally voted Democrat. In 2016, Democrats got a taste of what happens when you tell Pennsylvania Oilers and West Virginia miners that you won't fight for them. Hillary Clinton may have wanted to put a lot of coal miners out of a job, but she found out the hard way that if you don't back miners like Trump did, the office of the presidency is one job you won't be offered.
1: Isn't it great to have a president who keeps his campaign promises? At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find out about a new book by Ed Martin that outlines 100 times Donald Trump made a promise to the American people and followed through. The title is Top 100 Trump Promises Made, Promises Kept. Because there's more work to do, join us at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
0: Welcome back, Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report, and great to be back. And I, we need to wrap up this uh, very important today, uh, this uh, on the brink. I mentioned we're on the brink. It's important for us to know and realize together, what is the, what do the opponents want to do at this moment? What are they saying? It's one thing for um, us to hear, well, you know, Joe Biden's campaign wants to raise taxes. Well, we understand what that means. I think there's lots of reasons. Or China has a favorite and all. But let's talk about policies Let's talk about policies. You know, there has been floated now... For quite a a few uh, weeks, this notion, and and, and yesterday, Senator Coons was on the talk shows, and he said he would consider it. And there's this idea of adding two, three, four, five members to the United States Supreme Court, because as I've told you, the Constitution only says there shall be a Supreme Court and such inferior courts as the Congress shall design. It doesn't say there'll be nine members. It's been that way since like 1860-something, but they could change it, and they could change it with a vote of the Congress, House and Senate, and signed by the President. So... It looks like you have a situation where the Democrats are saying we want to pack the court. We don't believe that um, the court should have a certain number. When we come in, if we have power, we're going to add two, three, four members to even it out our way. Now, frankly, that's not unconstitutional. It would be really bad for the republic. It would probably destroy America. That's why we're on the brink, because it meant it would mean whoever's in charge would just load the cord, which is kind of what banana republics do down in Latin America. So let's say that um, the Democrats win this time and Joe Biden puts three members on the court. He gets you know, up to 12. Then the Republicans win in four years. And they put four more and we go up to 16. And pretty soon, and you'll see this in some countries, you have, you know, a, a highest court that has 30 members or 40 members or something. It becomes a disaster. It comes a disaster, and it's not American. Even though we, we are, it's not in the Constitution, 9 works fine. Well, it comes along now. Ted Cruz, you can count on Ted Cruz and five other Senate Republicans. They've introduced a constitutional amendment and and the constitutional amendment, which is hard to do. Right. It has to pass both houses, the Senate and House with two thirds majorities, then go to the states. It's not going to happen right now. But it basically is to prevent the Democrats from packing the Supreme Court. And the great thing about introducing it now is it forces the conversation. And you know why? Because. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, even though Senator Coons has said he's for it, the De- Delaware Democrat who is, uh, you know, pals with uh, Biden and other Democrats have said they want it. Bernie Sanders and others. Joe Biden won't answer. Joe Biden's answer is elect me and I'll tell you when I'm elected. No kidding. Like when remember when Nancy Pelosi said we have to pass the bill to see what's in it about Obamacare. And remember, Obama was saying, if you want your doctor, if you like your doctor, you keep your doctor. Turns out that was a lie. But what's with these people? And the answer is they don't trust the American people. And so this, this is a great idea. Cruz's Cruz's bill, you know, is a great idea. It's a great idea to get attention on it. Uh, it's a great idea to get um, people signed on, get them on the record, make it clear what's at stake. It's a very important thing. Now, I'd love to see it. By the way, I would love to see it pass. I'm not a huge fan of uh, of constitutional amendments. I think they can take a lot of energy away from what are the things we should be doing. And and a lot of times they're um, they're they're less uh, helpful than people think. In fact, they're usually they're less helpful than people think. So I'm not I'm not. A huge, uh, you know. I don't sit around dreaming up uh, ideas on how to do um, constitutional amendments. But in this case, it's a great idea. It's a great idea, and the sponsors of it are. Gr- it's great for them to get out and talk about it and be like, "Hey, what is it you're trying to do?" And force the answers. And let me remind you again: you talk about America on the brink. It is important that we learn the habit, the habit that we are seeing in our leaders and expect it. So Donald Trump ran for office for the first time ever. He gave a list of the judges he would put on the Supreme Court. That was totally new. It was very effective. It gave people a sense of who he was. Then he picked from the list. He added some more names to the list and he's running on the new list. Biden refuses to do it. My point is that's not again required either, but it's a very good, it's good management. It's, it's a good, it's a good, um, uh, it's a good idea to, um, give people more of a sense of what's happening of what is exactly going on and they rely on it and it becomes a habit of our republic again not in the constitution not required but a habit and a good one and one that we should consider uh, continuing and um um, I'm looking at some texts that I got from all of you. One of these is uh, about um, uh, what is conservatism. There's a piece over at townhall.com. Our great friend uh, Kurt Schlichter has written. It just uh, came, came out today on uh, what is conservatism, and it's fantastic. He's uh, he's often uh, fill in on some of our stuff, but townhall.com has great writers, but Schlichter is one of the best. Conservatism now means defeating the establishment is what he says, which is exactly right. It's exactly right. You know, at this point... You know, one more thing earlier in the program, I'm picking up some of my notes here to look at. Um, Donald Trump right now has 97 percent support in the Republican Party. The loudmouths that say he's not Republican enough or whatever, you know, Bill Crystal and others, there, there's none of them. There's not very few. Joe Biden, on the other hand, there's no energy in his side. There's no you don't have AOC and Bernie Sanders and everybody out there campaigning for him. Right. I mean, you see a drop off anyway, but I, I, I'm digressing in, uh, in here. So back to this. I, I want to put this up on social media. I want people to realize what's at stake what is at stake, what the direction is of the country. And one of them is packing the courts. Another one is getting rid of the Electoral College. Uh, Joe Biden said he would consider that. Adding uh, two states, Puerto Rico and D.C., to the U.S. Senate, I mean to the U.S. Constitution, to the United States, just for the purposes of adding two more senators. That would be four more guaranteed uh, Democrat senators. Terrible idea. My point in all this is these aren't policy differences. These are differences that would be a grasp of power against the republic and we the people because if you put four more u.s senators in just because you can for power you, you know you're you're distorting the future you're distorting the power balance in your favor and you end the republic in my opinion pretty good chance that's my opinion all right Listen, thank you for listening, as always. Don't forget, you can listen to any of these interview segments. Uh, you can go over to uh, ProAmericaReport.com, pick them up there. Go up to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for The Daily Wink. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director, Joanne helping book our guests, and we will be back tomorrow. Talk to you soon. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then.